Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you to the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazar. And today, we will not be getting interrupted by an Applebee's advertisement, and we will be going through the weekly recap of, well, K-State sports. And we'll be going down the list of men's basketball, women's basketball, and the long-awaited arrival of the Batcats, which, spoilers, did not go how he wanted. No, it did not. Not remotely. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But first things first is men's basketball, and since our last episode, sorry, I have the hiccups. Since our last episode, we have not won. We have not. And you should, you could argue that the game we're going to be talking about next, which is against Okie State, which was a loss in overtime in Stillwater, 79-82. to This was probably, we, we, you can declare a lot of games must-win games. This was probably the closest we had to a must-win on the rest of the schedule for our tournament hopes. But yeah, I said either this or Iowa State. I mean, losing this game has turned our remaining home games into absolute must-wins. Like if we lose either of those home games, like we're out of the tournament. Absolutely, I don't even think we make first four out. I or I th- next four out. I think at the current rate we're on, if we're to hold serve at home and lose a Tech, which is kind of what we're projected to do. I think that we would probably be in the next four out, assuming we don't win in the Big 12 tournament. If we win the Big 12 tournament with a with a lot of help, we can make it. I really think that at this point we need to pick we need to pick up two wins in KC because that gets us to the championship. Yeah, but this one this one just hurts mostly yeah. the the tournament chances. It's also a game we probably should have won in regulation. Yeah, um, we had the ball. We had, we had an inbound play. And then just, granted, they took 85 years to review the inbound play. But still, with that 85 years, you should have, or you, they were reviewing what came before the inbound play to see you touch the ball last. With that 85 and a half months that you had to plan what you were going to do, you should have come up with something better than that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, It was... It was a very similar situation to what happened against Oklahoma State and Manhattan. And also very similar to that situation, we just didn't really have a good inbounds play, except in Manhattan ended up totally working out because Nigel Pack just made a shot because he's good. Mode. Yeah. And this time, the lack of an inbounds play cost us in regulation at a three-point loss, unfortunately. Uh, this is another really frustrating game for K-State as well. I mean, it's another, it's yet another game where they made more three-point shots than two-point shots, only by one, but still. And now it's another game that you absolutely need to have back. I mean, it's it's painful to lose a game like this, especially against a team that you've already beat. I guess on the road, it's at a place that's hard to win at historically for K-State. And it's with a team that's been playing uncharacteristically hard for having literally nothing to play for. Yeah. But... I mean, it was a back-and-forth game the whole way. I mean, there was uh, 12 ties and 10 lead changes in this game. So, you know, both teams were playing like they were fighting for an NCAA tournament spot, except only one of them was. Yeah. So, uh, it's 
it's really depressing that K-State loses this game. This is a game that Oklahoma State, they were just making all the tough shots that they took. I mean, they were just throwing things up at the rim, and they were just falling in uh, pretty constantly. And they got really hot in overtime. I mean, they shot 62% from the field and 80% from three in overtime. Oklahoma State did. And K-State, they uh, were not able to match that. They only made two three-point baskets in halftime. And they did get a lot of free throws, but they just were not quite able to finish it off. In overtime. Yeah, in overtime. And then uh, K-State statistically, Nigel Pack, he put in 43 minutes in this game. Although he only ended up with 16 points, did not have a particularly efficient day shooting at all. He was 4 of 16 from the field, 3 of 10 from 3, and he made 5 of his 6 free throws. But he did have 8 rebounds, and then he had a foul, an assist, a turnover, and 3 steals. Uh, Marquise Noel, he also had a uh, high-scoring game. Uh, tied Nigel for the team lead with 16. 4 of 13 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3, 5 of 6 at the free throw line. Effectively the same day on just a couple less shots uh, and then he had four rebounds five assists three turnovers three steals uh with four rebounds and three fouls uh, he did all that in 35 minutes mark smith had 15 and 39 minutes five of 13 from the field two of four from three three of four of the free throw line 10 rebounds so another double double for mark smith he did have four fouls but he also had four assists at zero turnovers and two steals uh so Again, you'd like to see him be a little bit more efficient, but all yeah. things considered, you can't ask for much more. Yeah, he also picked up the one tech. Yeah, and they did have the one technical foul, which was... Don't ask me, I don't remember. It was something. I, I, I <laughs> All I remember is it being particularly controversial, because he, like... I, I don't even remember what he did. It was, like, after, like, a big shot, and he got teed up for, like, looking in the wrong direction or something. Yeah, but, something like that did... Mm-hmm. Big 12's been really soft with technicals of this year, unless you're Bill Self. Yeah, then they don't count. <laughs> then it doesn't count. It doesn't count. Shame. Shame. Could happen to anybody. But Especially to Bill Self. <laughs> yeah. Mike McGurl, he started this game as well at 14 and 38, 5 of 13 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3, which was really nice to see. And then he adds 4 rebounds, 3 fouls, 2 assists, 1 turnover. So, all things considered, that's a pretty good Mike game. Uh, he, made, he made his 3-point shots. And he only turned the ball over one time, did have a few fouls, but all in all, you know, he you want him to do really well in one area every game. This time it was scoring and he puts fourteen points up, you're never gonna complain about that. Yeah. So And then Davion, he was the last starter, played twenty two minutes. He had two points, one of one from the field, one rebound, three fouls, one turnover. Um so he's been having a lot of stat lines like this recently where he gets a bucket early. And, and just uh, that's that's just it. Like he just falls off the face of the earth, and we just kind of forget that he ex- that he exists. Um, which that was fine this game, honestly, at yeah. least offensively, because Casey Eziagu had a good offensive game. Yeah, he had nine points on three of six from the field. I think they were like all dunks, yeah. and then three of four at the free throw line, which is really good for him. Uh, and he had four rebounds, but he did have four fouls and a turnover, but he did have a block shot as well. Casey Eziagu, he does have these games occasionally where he just gets open at the rim, depending on opponent and matchup. Like, he can actually be really valuable offensively. But defensively, he is just such a liability right now, unfortunately, with his knee because he's just not moving very well. Robo leg. Yeah, he's got the robo leg. Let's talk Ioka about how to survive like, on defense with exactly. a robo leg. That's exactly what he needs to do is talk to Yoki. 
but he uh, unfortunately just wasn't able to do a lot. He did have four offensive rebounds, which is all of his rebounds for this game, which is impressive. Casey had 16 offensive rebounds in this game, which is phenomenal uh, for this Cats team. 38 total on the on the game. Uh, Ish Masood, he played another 14 minutes. He had only five points, so his hot streak kind of comes to an end. He made a three, made another two-point shot, had a rebound, a foul, and a turnover. Nothing special from him. Luke Kasupke, he had two points, a rebound, and a steal. In six minutes, Selton, he didn't do anything. He literally registered zero stats yeah. other than three missed shots in 11 minutes Yeah, and played some defense. Then Carlson Lingard came in for a minute, got pushed around a lot, and then came out. <laughs> so the Carlton Lingard experience. Yep. This game, I think the the trademark here is that they shot fairly well from three, but from two, this was just an awful game. Um, a lot of missed layups in this game, and our leading scorers they all did not shoot very efficiently. They did not make many shots on a lot of attempts, especially Nigel, which he's gonna have games like that. I get it. He's the leading guy on offense. So he's going to take a, a high volume of shots. But you need yeah. somebody else to fill in and be efficient, whether that's Marquise, Anyone Mark, or Mike. Else. But they all took 13 shots, and they all either made four or five. And Got to have more. Hmm? Got to have more. Yeah, have to. And you know, the, the, points, the points is nice, but still you need to have some level of efficiency with that. Keeping the turnovers down was good, though. Uh, they only had nine to 12 assists. You'd like to see that ratio be a little bit better. But staying in the single digits for turnovers does uh, pretty good, honestly. Yeah. And then 38 rebounds. You love to see that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. just all in all, this game was was tough. But unfortunately, it gets tougher. It yeah. it gets tougher. Because yeah. now, unless you have something to cover, say on this. Um. No, I'm 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 done with the Oklahoma State game just because it happened so long ago because i mean it's it's been over a week i think since that game no it happened i think it happened this sunday really oh no you know you're you're right you're totally right it just just feels like it's been so long because we've been through like major global catastrophes since then but like yeah i what a week huh yeah it has been a week it truly has but Moving on to, to from Oklahoma State to the KU game. From one catastrophe to another. Catastrophe. Catastrophe. But okay. <laughs> the, the next thing that we're going to be talking about is the other men's basketball game that occurred against KU in Allen Fieldhouse. And Connor and I watched this game together. Being fair to us, no one was going to beat KU tonight. Correct. Not with the way they were shooting. Right. But it's that's still our worst defensive performance of the year. And I don't think it's particularly close. Yeah. KU had arguably the best shooting night that I have ever seen from a college basketball team. I mean, because at halftime, I was sitting there like, oh, you know, they're shooting 60% from the field, 50% from three. It's There's, not sustainable. I literally said it's not sustainable because it wasn't, because it got better in the second half. They went from 62% from the field, 53% from three in the first half, to 65% from the field, and 72% from three. They went 8 of 11 from three-point range in the second half. Dude. Somehow they shot worse in the second half at the free throw line than they did from the field <laughs> and from three. Like, 
it's it, this is one of the strangest games I've ever watched because K-State had, frankly, they had a pretty solid offensive performance, but a lot of that's because the tempo was so high in this game because we were just matching tempo with KU the whole game because they were playing fast, and that's how they loved to play. And they were getting whatever look they wanted on the weak side help because this is something that has shocked me that has not been exploited more this year, but Marquette did it. And I can't believe more teams haven't done it is they just like kind of drive like just inside of the three point line, maybe into the paint and they draw in the weak side defender. That's like out on the wing or guarding the corner. Cause they have a three point shooter out there. And then once that happens, once they get once they get drawn in to help defend the post, the guy with the ball just kicks the ball out to the wing or the corner, and they take a wide open three with a poor closeout every single time. And if the closer does get there, and then they just drive and try the same thing on the other side, like that's KU's whole offense, and our defense catered to it perfectly, and we made no adjustment to it at all. Nope. And we should feel lucky that this has not been happening to us more this year because. It's the most obvious way to attack this team other than going to the post. And <laughs> Which, granted, that's also a very legitimate way to attack this team. Yeah, and it's the one that I would say most teams have been taking because it's a little easier. It takes It's fewer moving parts. Just give it to your big man who is demonstrably better than ours and <laughs> just go to work in the paint. And KU essentially did calculus. Uh, they just did some basic arithmetic, and they said... Well, three points is more than two, and we have a team full of talented players that can make wide-open threes at a high clip, so we're just going to do that instead of going inside for the most part. Yep. And they did that, and it worked, because McCormick, I was worried about him having a great game, and he didn't really do a whole lot. He only had five points. Uh, Lightfoot, though, he did have a, a really nice day. He had six of seven from the field and 13 points, three rebounds, um, and he only had two fouls and two turnovers, so Lightfoot had his way. Uh, but it was just the guard play, and I mean everybody that was taking threes for KU was just raining down on it. I mean, you, you go down the list and you look at anybody like that takes more than three three point attempts on KU, they all shot fifty percent or better, and only one of them shot fifty percent. You take Joseph Yesufu out of there, you got Abaji who goes four of six from three, Christian Brown who goes three of four, Jalen Wilson who goes three of four. And Jalen Coleman lands was three of three, so he didn't even miss from three, and that's that's unsustainable. The only guy, the only two people to take threes that didn't make them were uh, Dewan Harris and Zach Clements. They only took three threes combined, and Dewan Harris, that's not his offensive role. He got six points from driving, and he still had seven assists. So, and then Zach Clements, he just hasn't been playing a lot because he's been hurt all year. So this is. I mean, we, they just attacked us exactly how KU normally would, which is having a really good offense filled with talented players. And we saw them do that and tried to match them with that, but we simply we, we can't. Don't. We, we don't have the horses to get into a high-tempo game with KU. We don't have... We, this is maybe the first time in a while that we've maybe had the shooting to hang around, which is what we did, basically. Until the end. Yeah, until the end when they kind of like pulled away and our three point shot wasn't falling as much. But like we tried to we tried to play the same game where we just make a lot of threes. But what we should have been doing this whole game is slowing down the tempo because we were playing right into what KU wanted from us. And we did the whole game and the commentators 
even commented on it. Fran Fischilla was talking about how, you know, like KU was playing the exact game that they wanted. Bill Self talked about it afterwards. He said, I didn't expect the game to go that fast, but it worked to our advantage. I mean, that's just Bill Self basically laughing at Bruce being stupid. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know. Which, unfortunately, he's right. And, I mean, this might have been Bruce's worst performance against a KU team that I've seen. Because a lot of times, we've, like, come in with a good strategy and just gotten out-athleted by them. But this time, like, we had a poor strategy and didn't adjust. And that uh, that's just unfortunate. Yeah. And they I did mention they played well offensively. So I guess we can chat about that like granted it was basically because KU let them play well offensively yeah because what else were they going yeah, to do because they don't care if we score 83 when, when they, they score, score 102 like, like this is a 53 to 43 game at half and KU had basically an identical it was basically the same thing in the second half it was 49 to 40 in the second half and it was getting a little bit more out of hand until the backups came in but Marquise Noel he had 20 points in 31 minutes uh, he had eight assists. He had uh, five turnovers, three rebounds, and a foul. He was eight of fifteen from the field. Had some really nice plays, but down the stretch, was playing really lackadaisically. Yeah, and it was starting to annoy me how he was playing. Well, it annoyed Bruce. Did you hear him? Uh, no. What did he say? He was screaming while they were on defense. Have some pride. Yeah. Um, Which like, yeah, that led to Marquise getting sat down. <laughs> yeah, because and Marquise. I was more talking about him offensively oh. than defensively, but also, yes. Like, I, I do agree with that. That game, like, Marquise was, like, playing so hard early on. And, you know, the worst thing is, is, like, it's, it's like, I, I don't know what to say about it. Like, other than just down the stretch, he just was making lazy plays, just trying to make something. Like, he was just taking lazy threes. Like, the one play that sticks out is the overthrow lob to yeah. Ish Masood. Like, that hasn't been Ish's role all year. He's not athletic enough to do that. And he just overthrew the lob and just acted all, you know, like, lazy about it. And then on the free throws, he was, like, laughing the whole time. We were down by 20. And he, like... Did push-ups before. Yeah, and he, like, bricked the first one. It's like, I get that, like, you should, like, try and have fun when you're playing basketball, but, like, you're getting boat raced right now, man. Like, like, like and, and, I, I can... and, it, and it's not a good look to just, like, effectively just not care. Like, I... I at that point, I've been in those situations, and as an athlete, it's it's not necessarily that you're laughing because you're having fun. You're laughing because that's really the only way that you can get yourself through it. That does not excuse his laziness, but it just, who knows, maybe he was having fun. Maybe he was having fun doing a little trolling, but just, I yeah. probably just laughing to get his, just get through it. And that's, I hope so. Like that, that's just kind of how I would describe the last, you could even say like 15 minutes of the game. It's just, yeah. All right. Let's get it over with. Let's just get through this. Yeah, that's how. I, that's basically how it was. Because the first half, it was back and forth for a while. But KU did stretch the lead to ten. Although we were able to cut that down at the end of the half with some nice plays. And but I mean, even in the first half, Marquise was just he had some really rough plays. Like he airballed two threes uh, in the first half. And man, I I don't know. Like it, it was. An, it was the most Marquise game I've ever seen. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, he, he was our leading scorer. He had 20. 
Uh, he had eight assists, but he also had five turnovers, and his play was uh, poor at times, especially down the stretch. But, you know, he wasn't the only guy on the floor. Mike McGurl, he had a nice game. He had 13 points in 32 minutes. He shot from three really well. Five of ten from the field, three of six from the three-point line. And he had four rebounds, two fouls, one assist, two turnovers, and two steals. Mike played pretty well, honestly. Like, I don't have a lot to complain about. He unfortunately was the victim of the defensive philosophy a lot in this game. Yeah. Where he was caught help overhelping inside and uh, being late on the closeout for a wide open three for KU, which, like, I mean, I'm not going to harp on Mike for that because, I, I mean, he's doing what he's told in that situation. And, you know, it's just... It's Bruce's defensive philosophy being exposed and not being able to yes. adjust to it. I mean, like, we know that the skip pass or the kick out on the drive is coming. So why are we overhelping every time? I get that you don't want to go man-on-man with KU driving to the bucket because that's one of their easier plays. But like Bill Self did, we can do some basic arithmetic and figure out that two points is less than three. Yeah. And when they're shooting 60% from the field, regardless, does it really matter? No. <laughs> that's, that's what I think. And that's, that's what it goes back. No one was beating KU yeah. the way they were shooting. Yeah. Although some of the shooting does go into us or go into them just having an unbelievable shooting night. Like one of the greatest nights I've ever seen. Some of it is also poor defense on our part, poor defensive philosophy on our part. But you know what, you can't blame all of it on the defense. Even like not with, like even even still, you know, leaving people wide open in a regulation basketball game, you can't expect people to hit the wide open shot, especially if at the college level, sixty percent of the time. Yeah. Like in the second half, seventy percent of the time. I mean that's just not something that's gonna happen very much. No. You know, it was just it was uncharacteristically good shooting paired with poor defense that was able to help them out. KU, that is. So I'm a rough, 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 rough game for K-State defensively. And it's hard, it, it, it's hard to say it was a good offensive game because I think that was just KU strategy yeah. at the end of the day is to let us feel like we were in the game and not need to make adjustments because they were effectively letting us run our offense because they were saving their energy, the offensive end, the drive end, and hit the wide open shot every single time. Yep. Nigel Pack... He had 13 points, 5 of 13 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3. He had 3 rebounds, a foul, 2 assists, 2 turnovers, a steal, 29 minutes. Uh, yeah, it was an unremarkable game for Nigel, I would say. Fun. Yeah, hit a few nice shots, uh, but he did not have an incredible game by any stretch of the imagination. It wasn't a bad game. But... And Mark Smith, he had 28 minutes, uh, 11 points, 4 of 12 from the field. He only made one of his 6 three-point attempts, which is unfortunate because a lot of them were wide open. Then uh, two of three for the free throw line. He was one rebound away from another double-double. And honestly, that was uh, stolen from them by a phantom foul call at the end of the game on Christian Brown. Like, because Celta Miguel, like, got rim-stuffed on a dunk. And Mark Smith got the rebound and the putback. That would have given him the double-double and an additional two points. But instead, it was called a foul, and Celta went to the line. I think he might have made both free throws. He may have missed one. I don't really remember. But and then Mark... Had two fouls, no assists, two turnovers, two steals. You know, I, I'm happy that he at least was not a no-show. Like he was uh, the first time that we played KU. Uh, he played admirably. But you got to have more. Especially when he's missing wide open threes. Davion had an interesting game. 
Yeah. <laughs> he he had he had the very first possession. Uh we went right down to him on the very first possession of the game and he made a heavily contested uh layup that he had no business making honestly cuz yep. he was like constricting in the air and like recoiling from David McCormick but he made it somehow and, and then that was and that all was it. he did. <laughs> he had one offensive rebound at some point. I do not remember that. And he had a foul. And he missed another shot in 15 minutes. That was all he did. Uh, he played some all right defense on McCormick because McCormick did not have a great day. But when Mitch Lightfoot came in, he was helpless. Uh, granted, a lot of that was Casey Eziegu as well. But uh, in Selton, moving away from the starters, he played 22 minutes at 13 points, 5 of 9 from the field, missed a three point attempt, uh, 3 of 4 at the free throw line, 3 rebounds, 1 foul, 1 assist, 3 turnovers, 2 steals. Um, Selton, offensively in this game, uh, I would honestly say the numbers are a bit deceiving. They were actively encouraging him get, getting the ball offensively, yeah. I would say, because they know that he's not a threat from deep. And if he wants to drive and take the two while KU's taking the three, they're going to let that happen every single time. That, and then also Selton did miss a wide-open dunk at the end because he could hear Christian Brown's footsteps coming and he was worried about getting swatted, and he got rim-stuffed instead. Um. Luckily, he got bailed out and got some free throws out of it. But um, and Salton, I, I don't know if it's fair to say anybody played good defense this game, so I won't. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but I don't. Re- I don't recall him playing a defense that was any worse than anyone else. I'll, I'll say that. Then Ish, he played 17 minutes, two five from the field, one of four from three for seven points. No, two of two from the free throw line as well. I have four rebounds. Or three rebounds, four fouls, no assists, a turnover, and a steal. Um, moving on from him, Casey Ziegu. He had 11 minutes, two points from the field. Uh, or two points, one of one from the field. One rebound, I was offensive rebound. Uh, and then he had two fouls and a steal. Carlson Lingard came in and added two points. Uh, and then he had uh, two rebounds as well in four minutes of play. Kasubki registered no stats in 11 minutes. How <laughs> he even take his signature? I, yeah, I didn't even take a three in a game that was just mired by threes. <laughs> like, but this team, I this is probably the worst defensive team that Bruce Weber's had at K State because this is only the third time a Bruce Weber team has ever given up a hundred points, and the first two times were against Baylor last <laughs> year, both times. Yeah, and yeah, like this is just. It's rough. No way around it. It was the second most points uh, ever scored by KU in the Sunflower Showdown. Scored Gl- by one. Yeah, they missed it by one, and a lot of that's because they took out their starters. They could have kept raining threes if they wanted, although they, they did leave their starters in until they hit, hit 100 exactly, and they had a substitution timeout. So good for them, I guess. But and I don't know. I'm just... I'll run down them. Abaji at 23, Brown at 20, Jalen Wilson at 17, Yesufu at 9, Mitch Lightfoot at 13. I mean, basically everybody got what they wanted on this KU team. And they even got the walk-ons a few minutes, although they didn't really do anything. So, I mean, KU shot 60% from the field, 60% from three, and 55% of the free throw line, which is just insane. But, I mean, yeah, this is a horrible game for K-State because... I mean, it just to lose like in this way in a rivalry game. I get it's at Allen, 
But, I mean, this wasn't even, like, past losses in Allen where, you know, you could be like, oh, you know, there's this, like, atrocious no-call, like, uh, the um, the travel back in 2017 or, I don't know, random other games where there was awful awful officiating throughout, like, the Will Spradling block when he got elbowed in the face. I'm like, what to tell you about that? <laughs> and then... Um, there's other things. Granted, there were uh, there was a couple bad calls in this game. One, the one that sticks out is of course the, the charge, <laughs> the charge that the was called charge. a Marquise when whoever it was on KU was not just like stepping on the arc, the epicenter of yeah, the arc. Yeah, it was like both feet like fully in the restricted arc while also while moving, and it was called a charge on Marquise Noel. It was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. I will preface that with it did not affect the like the outcome nope. of the game at all. Nope. I was I was just like wow. That's just amazing. I, I will say I did see some KU fans complaining about the officiating online, which I thought was hilarious. Okay. Because I felt like it was fairly like an offensive officiating, especially for Allen Fieldhouse standards. Yeah. I mean, it was 15 fouls to KU, 14 for K State, which I don't remember the last time we like won the foul count and Allen. I'm assuming never. probably never. We got, probably we, never. Yeah, we got the benefit of the doubt. I'm assuming on a few, especially down the stretch when they just saw like how lame duck we were. <laughs> but horrible, horrible game for K State, and it felt like it was like within reach for a lot of the game as well. But I mean, when the other team is shooting 60%. Even if it's your own defense's fault, there's very little that you can do to stay in it. Even when you have, like, I mean, scoring 83 in a conference game, you told me that beforehand. If we were going to score 83 at Allen Fieldhouse, I would have absolutely taken that and ran. Yeah. (laughs) You wouldn't have have stuck around to hear the second part. Mm -mm. No, I I wouldn't have even, like, stuck around and be like, yeah, KU is also going to drop 100. But, yeah, it was really rough game to watch. Really... The frustration didn't set in for a while because we were hanging around and, like, playing good offense. So, like, the failings of the defense were, like, maxed by that for a bit. But that really became obvious in the second half when they just three after three after three after three. It was horrid. But I think that does it. Did you have anything else that you'd like to say about this game? No, but K-State does play Iowa State on Saturday in Bramlage at 1 p.m. So be there. Be there. It'll be fun. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, like, I like our chances against Iowa State. Iowa State has been kind of in a tailspin recently. Yeah, but... They, they've fallen a long way from being... I think they were ranked in the top 10 at one point. They were. To, I think they're on the bubble now. Yep. And, which, like, wow. I mean... How like, the Iowa State has fallen. Yep. How I, the Cyclone has died. Yeah. Literally all it takes is Isaiah Brockington having a slightly off night and they just fall Die. apart. Just gone. Yeah. Sometimes even when he has an on night, it doesn't matter. But you know, it's gonna be interesting to see this Iowa State team going forward if they continue to be like non conference merchants or if they actually grow. But I'm talking about like in future years. But yeah. You know, we're gonna see him this Saturday and we're gonna see this year this year's version of them. So I'm looking forward to it. But because it's a really Casey has a great shot at winning. If they lose this game against Iowa State, they will not be in the NCAA tournament unless they win the Big 12 tournament. Yeah. That is that would be the only path forward. But it would basically be NIT season in K-State at that point. Let's go NIT so. season. But next up is women's basketball. And both of these games don't really have much to like go off of. We had a lot of stories for Okie State and KU for the men's team. Neither of these games had massive stories. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, the first game was against Okie State in Bramlage. Both of these were at home in yeah. Bramlage. It was uh, 56 to 38 in favor of your Kansas State Wildcats. And there we held Okie State. This is the one story is like we held them to six in the first half. Yeah. Oklahoma, it, it was a dominant performance. Yeah, Oklahoma State had six points in the first half, which was hilarious. A lot of it, was, or at least some of it, was we were playing really good defense, but a lot of it was they were missing like open layups. Yeah. Like a lot. Like comically yeah, so. They didn't make a single field goal in the second quarter. They went two for four at the free throw line, and they didn't. I think at one point they went from not scoring. It was like from like a minute and a half in the first quarter to about three minutes left in the second quarter. Yep. So they went about a full quarter without scoring, and it was and they didn't get a field goal until early in the third quarter, and <laughs> which is horrid. But I mean, granted, Oklahoma State is not a good team. They're eight eight and fifteen after that game, three and eleven in Big Twelve play. But they did get some shots to fall in the third quarter. But so did K State. Uh, so, I mean, this still ended up being a low-scoring game, uh, just especially because of how the first half went. So it's honestly impressive. Oklahoma State ends up with 38 points after scoring six in the first half. But And then also this was a really highly attended game. Uh, 5,868 tickets sold for this game. I would say it was probably around there for attendance as well. Yeah. Maybe slightly less, but not enough to really like be any noticeable difference. I believe it was the highest attended women's game of the season. And, which, I mean, those weekend games, uh, those Sunday afternoon women's games generally are really highly attended because a lot of people from around Manhattan are able to get to it a little bit easier. But, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State, 20% from the field, 22% from three. Um, they had the anti-KU performance yeah. where they could not buy a bucket. I mean, 0% in the second quarter. Like, that's just horrid. I mean, 0 of 12 from the field in the second quarter. And a lot of those were not difficult shots no <laughs> so but k-state they did play well uh at least comparatively offensively i mean they had their own offensive frustrations where we just couldn't buy a bucket at times especially from three still can't buy a three no, no we still can't, can't happen. still can't do it but ayoko lee only played 28 minutes in this game because this game was pretty well in control for the most part uh at 17 points on 7 to 15 from the field three or four at the free throw line 13 rebounds three fouls and assists a turnover two blocks and a steal so she had a fine game. She slowed down a little bit recently because teams have figured out how to guard her because especially since teams have figured out how to guard her, we've just not been able to make a three-point bucket to save our lives. No, because if you can commit three people to Ioka Lee, our entire offense shuts down because no one else can shoot. Yeah. If we run a set play, that's about the only time we have a shot of scoring uh, that or if we can just get lucky with a three, which we did... Uh, in the second half, we actually shot 50% from three in the third quarter. But Emily Ebert, she was the second leading scorer. She had 13 points, five of 13 from the field, and two of eight from three. She had two three-point makes in pretty quick succession in the third quarter, which was interesting because in the late second quarter, she airballed a three and airballed a mid-range jumper and was brought out of the game. And then it was interesting because in the third quarter, uh, one of I think it was the first play that we had drawn up out of halftime was she... Uh, went to the corner and took a wide open three and made it. And I think it was on a set play. Yep. So it was interesting that Jeff Mitty, after her airballing two shots, would go right back to her. And uh, so I, I like the confidence. He's shown that he's willing to do that in the past as well, is go for a shooter that has really been struggling and draw up a play to get them wide open and build their confidence again. 
So that did work at least for this game because Emily Ebert then would follow it up with another three uh, pretty soon after. Still went two of eight for the game, but you know what? After airballing two shots, like you that, did it. That's that's all right. I'm fine. Yeah. And she made one free throw attempt, uh, and then she had three rebounds, two fouls, one assist, one turnover. I wish they would track how many times that she falls because she falls a lot. <laughs> yeah, that is that is true. But recently, it's just been a thing. We just start yeah. falling. Yeah, it's like there's something I've been noticing a lot watching the games. Uh, I talk about it with one of my friends a lot. Like we just start like a fall counter, but <laughs> but yeah. God, if we started a fall counter during the Texas game, oh god. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, Emily had a solid game, uh, and that was all in 20 minutes, so she didn't play a ton uh, despite starting. Uh, and then Bradley Glenn, she added seven points, three of six from the field, one of three from three, a rebound, two fouls, two assists, a turnover, and a steal. Our twin sister, Jalen Glenn, had five points on two of six shooting, one of three from three, three rebounds, two fouls, two assists, a turnover, a block, and two steals. So nice uh, stat stat sheet stuff in games from the Glenn twins. Uh, nothing incredible, but you, know, you have to be happy with that. However, uh, somebody that did kind of struggle this game, though, was Serena Sundell. Uh, one of 11 from the field, 0 of 2 from three. Uh, just two points on seven rebounds and a foul. She did, though, have five assists to one turnover with two blocks and a steal. So she made up for it in other areas, but really, really bad offensively. Um, uh, 37 minutes played for Serena. So at 1 of 11 from the field, pretty pretty awful. But, you know, a win is a win regardless. And Laura Mackey, she played 18 minutes, was 4 of 10 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, had eight points, five rebounds, two fouls, and assists, and two steals. And then we kind of get into some people who just fill in. Uh, Simone Goodrich, she was one of three from the field. That one field goal was, was incredible. Nuts. <laughs> yeah, because it was it was like a reverse. It was like you took the euro step and reversed the ball placement, where she put it under instead of over the person, and it was really smooth. And it was in a fast break play. And she's one of our best finishers at the rim. I would say that's probably her best offensive quality. Um, especially when you can uh, match it up with Serena Sundell, who it seems like she really gets bullied uh, or pushed around when she's going at the rim, and sometimes they fall. But uh, days like uh, today, it was not. It was not today. Not today. <laughs> like games against Oklahoma State, just isn't falling. Simone Goodrich had three assists, three turnovers, and two rebounds as well, and two of four at the free throw line. Lauterbach played twelve minutes, uh, didn't score any points, had four rebounds and two fouls. Jada Moore. Played six minutes, and then Rebecca Dollinger played four minutes, and that does it for K State stats. Uh, they didn't shoot really that well, honestly. Thirty-three percent from the field, about, almost about about thirty-four, and twenty-one percent from three, six and nine at the free throw line for the whole game. Uh, so they didn't shoot well, but another team shooting twenty percent from the field and twenty-two percent from three, that's all right, but. Yeah, this team probably still taking too many threes, settling for too many threes, but you know they Yoki was able to have a solid game, get a double double again, and we had someone step up offensively, namely Ebert. And anytime you hold a team to thirty eight points in a regulation college basketball game, you can't complain that much. Yeah, so it was a, it was a quality, it was a nice win for Casey. It was it was no statement or anything because Oklahoma State's not a good team, but it was a nice win. Yeah. So. And the next game was also in Bramlage, was whiteout for the students. Yep. Uh, it was a loss, unfortunately. Texas ended up winning this game 62-51. to 51. And this is another game where there, there's not much to say. 
Jeff Mitty did complain about the referees after the game, which, yes, he did have a point, but that's not why we lost. We lost because we were just kind of outmatched athletically because they actually had two people that could match up with Ioka Lee, whereas most of the country doesn't have one. <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. That, that's What can yeah. you do? <laughs> that's the best way to look at it. I mean, Texas won this game because of the first quarter. Because the rest of the game, the teams were even, but Texas won had the first quarter twenty to nine, uh, which is eleven point uh, margin, which is the margin of the final score. So K State was actually able to kind of figure it out down the stretch, especially defensively. But one thing that they could never figure out was rebounding, because wow, was Texas a lot better at rebounding than us? They had nineteen offensive rebounds in this game, and K State had twenty nine rebounds total. So it's 41 total rebounds for Texas compared to 29 for K-State. A lot of that is because they have maybe the only player in the country that can actively like bully Ayoka Lee on size, and that's Lauren Ebo. And granted, I do think she was kind of mauling her in the paint at times. Which and, is part of the whole ref ball yeah. discussion. Yeah. like I mean, they're this is a Texas team. They play very, very physical and at times the refs were, were calling them on it, and other times they were seemingly missing it, especially away from the ball. Away from the ball, they were not doing a very good job at all. On the ball, they did a pretty good job, I think, with limiting uh, Texas and their desire to, I'll say air quotes, play physically. Yeah, because <laughs> it's, it's, cyber bully you. Yeah, Just bully you. Yeah, yeah. Their, their version of physicality is effectively to foul you, but like in really small amounts and hope they get away with it. I basically just like poke you, prod you, bump you, and just hope that the refs aren't going to like be ticky tacky with it. And they were on the ball, but they generally weren't away from it. They were a couple of times, but this is a Texas team that loves to get away with little things and just you know really hurt you. And they play really aggressive defensively because I mean this Texas did not shoot very well from the field. It felt like it at times, especially early on. But, you know, they really cooled off. They only shot 36% from the field, which is fine. It was so, it's just that they were very selective from three, and they made their wide-open shots every time. They were 5-12 of 12 from three. It felt like a lot more. <laughs> so I was shocked why, why I read that stat for the first time. But K-State did not shoot well. They did take fewer three-point shots in this game, which is great. However, I think it's because they took fewer shots total. Yeah. And a lot of that is because Texas was getting a lot of extra possessions from offensive rebounds. And that's where they got a lot of their points. Uh, Texas had 16 second chance points in this game. Casey had only eight. And, you know, that's that's a backbreaker right there. Because, I mean, they, they were we only have one person that can really go up and get the rebound. That's Ioka Lee. And at basically any point in time, Texas had two people that were about as big as Ioka Lee in the game. And a lot of that is just recruiting, and it's really hard to out-recruit a school like Texas in non-revenue sports because they just dump money into it to be good because they're the only school that can afford to just dump money into whatever they want, basically. And yeah. So it's it's tough. But they did the women did play admirably, although, you know, like you... You'd like to see maybe a better strategy for getting Aoka Lee open. She only had nine field goal attempts and only made three of them. She was perfect at the free throw line, 4-4. Four, four. Aoka Lee had 10 points, five rebounds, four fouls, a turnover, and two blocks in 34 minutes. But you'd like to see a higher volume of shots for her. Uh, you'd like to see a better strategy for getting her the ball. 
But we've really struggled with figuring that out. And a lot of it is because we just don't have another good post presence right now. Because Taylor Lauterbach has just not been able to figure it out offensively. Because she just is really getting pushed around the post. She doesn't have the ability that Aoka Lee has to just fight through physicality most of the time. Yeah. And Unless she's getting right. weird rebounds. That's yeah. one of the things she's very good at is getting weird rebounds that you do not expect her to get. Right. I mean, that's exactly right. But... Other than Hayoka Lee, Serena Sundell, she led the team in scoring uh, with 16 on 6 of 13 from the field. She made one three-pointer out of five attempts and was 3 of 5 at the free throw line. She had three rebounds, one foul, three assists, two turnovers, and two blocks. Serena Sundell, oddly good at blocking. I, I'm not sure why. But and then, uh, other than I'll that, <laughs> I'll take it. Emily Ebert, uh, she had seven points, made one field goal attempt in 28 minutes uh, on just she only had one attempt and she made it. It was from three. She was four of six at the free throw line, two rebounds, two fouls, and assists, three turnovers. Uh, and then the Glenn twins, neither of them were particularly great. They each had four points respectively. Jalen two of seven from the field, o two from three. Briley one of three from the field, and she actually fouled out in this game. The total opposite of Jalen, who did not have any fouls. And then Jalen added six rebounds, an assist, two turnovers, a steal. Briley had three rebounds, three turnovers, and a steal. I need to move on from there. Simone Goodrich, she kind of had a rough game. Uh, she had some pretty poor turnovers, uh, made some really bad choices in transition as well. Uh, she had one play where she kind of like lobbed the ball to like Serena Sundell, like, but she got way too close and tried to like lob it over a oh, defender, right. and it was very easily picked off. But she also had some nice moments where she like, drove to the bucket and got fouled and made some free throws. So, I mean, that's just kind of what you get with Simone Goodrich. You know, she's kind of like the the less active version of Marquise Noel, where, you know, she's going to have some head scratchers and she's going to have some nice plays that you really notice. So she's Christian Duffy? Basically, yeah. I mean, uh, we, have, <laughs> we have Davion moments and we have some moments. Have some moments. That's what we've taken to calling them. That's trademarked by Ace. Yeah. Moments. <laughs> I mean... I, it's always our favorite players that end up just having those yeah. moments. Yeah. Which, that is true. granted, Yoki is, the I think, both of our favorite player on the team. But yeah. it, neither here nor there. Simone has had her moments. Yeah. And no one else had moments to really offset them. Yeah. I, I, I think that's fair. But beyond her, uh, Laura Mackey added four points and Taylor Lauterbach. Uh, registered no stats in five minutes, and Jada Moore uh, had a steal uh, in her one minute of play, and I think she lost the ball somehow, or she actually got it off to Serena. And I think she should have had a turnover there. I don't, I don't quite remember. Yeah. But you know, K State, you know, they only shoot thirty five percent from the field this game, eighteen uh, percent from three, eighty two percent of the free throw line. They went to the free throw line a lot uh, because Texas or the officials, I should say, were calling. They were they were calling Texas, a little yeah. Freudian slip there, yeah. pal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they uh, they were calling a lot of like I said earlier. They called a lot of fouls on the ball. Uh, if you were driving to the bucket and you got hacked, they were going to call it. And Texas found itself in the double bonus a lot at the end of quarters, which would get us two extra free throws there as well. But off the ball, you know, they, they were, were still tripping us. Yeah, they were tripping. They yeah, kept they... tripping us. Yeah. That's the thing that kept sticking out to me was that. We got tripped so many times, and it was abundantly obvious, but it was just away from the ball. 
So it wasn't yeah. called. Yeah, the only times it got called were uh, on Simone, which she, I, I will preface with she did flop a little bit on it. Yeah, that was... That was kind of a, it was it was an excellent flop. It was a great flop. That was and Oscar worthy. Yeah, the reason that it worked was uh, because of uh, uh, Texas actually kind of putting a foot in and tripping her. Although she definitely acted on it, and like like they did get the foul call. But I mean, Texas also they did a lot of arm extensions. Uh, they like I said, they love playing physical, and they just uh, essentially hope that the officiating sucks. Which it was very hit and miss in this game, and when I say very, I mean it was. There were some high highs and low lows. Yeah, Mitty, if you if you can find it, find Mitty's comments after the game because that pretty well will describe everything we're saying. Yeah, yeah, he had some pretty spicy things to say about these. He's officials. going to be getting fined. <laughs> he will almost certainly be fined by the Big Twelve Conference for the things that he said. But you know what? Sometimes as a coach, you just got to do it. I mean, he's making a lot of money anyways. So true, but. Yeah, you know, it's a unfortunate loss for KC Women's basketball. Not particularly unexpected. Texas is a uh, top ten team, I believe. They're number ten. Yeah, they're really good. They're always really good, and you you love to be able to get a win. But you know, they KC they did play decent at times. I mean, this is going to be just an annoying team for a long time. Texas will be because of their brand of basketball. But I mean. Again, all problems are solved by hitting your shots, and there were a lot of rim outs this game, especially for Ayoka. She had a few that really just rolled around and just didn't go down. And then whenever Casey would go on a run, which did get close a few times in the second half, Texas would have a response and put it back out to double digits. Also, I totally thought this final score was 60-51. to 51. I, did, I totally forgot about the last bucket that Texas had. Yeah. I, I, I totally forgot about that. So it was a pointless bucket. So yeah. Who cares? Yeah. But yeah, that pretty much wraps up what we have to say about women's basketball. Now we can finally talk about the long-awaited return of the Bat Cats, and you know, it didn't go how we wanted. No, it did not. <laughs> because our first game, we played a series of three in what is called the State Farm Showdown in Globe Life Park in Texas, which is right across the street from Jerry World. So K-State opening their, their seasons in yeah, make it a nice making a nice little home there. Yeah. And, yeah, it just it did, it did not go the way we wanted to. Our first game was against Arizona. It was 6-8. to eight. Number, I think, they're top 25. I think they're 10, aren't they? they I think they were higher. I think they were, like, 8th. They're they're some they were top ten. Yeah, they're they're a top ten team, and we hung with them for quite a while. Unfortunately, what you'll notice to become a theme is that we had one particularly bad inning that we just could not recover from. That ended up being the actually no you know what maybe this is excuse from that. Because this one was the only game of this series, or these three games that we played, in which the runs were actually spread out. Because Arizona scored one in the second, two in the third, and then four, or three. Wait, did they just... Where's five? Like, no, 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 on on the scoring summary. Where's their fifth run? Uh, this is a two run. Oh, okay, it's a two-run homer. Okay, I... or two-run double. So right. Okay, I might be stupid. Hang on, but 
Yeah, this was a game that our starting pitcher did very well. He was uh, Blake Adams. You know, he gave up four earned runs. That's close enough to a quality start. I, Whenever you're in the four-run range, at least from a baseball standpoint, you're kind of in that middle ground of blaming the offense and blaming the defense because three, yeah. three runs, six innings is a quality start. Then. Yeah. I, this game, I would... I would err on the side of blaming the uh, defensive field as opposed to. That's also going to be a theme. <laughs> yeah. Granted, there were a f- there there were some uh, not great innings uh, from pitchers. Uh, Westmore did not have a very good inning. Uh, he had two earned runs, two walks, uh, a wild pitch, a hit by pitch, and with five batters face, he did have two strikeouts as well. Yeah. And they both, the first one was his first batter, and then the other one was after a mound visit. So, Westmore against the first batter he's seeing after either a mound visit or just in the inning is elite. <laughs> he's Everything elite. else is rough. Yeah. Uh, Nico Rodriguez didn't have a great outing either in nine batters face. He uh, only got one strikeout, gave up another two earned rounds on two hits. But... Tyson uh, that, Neighbors did come in. Yeah, Tyson Neighbors was a bright spot. Excellent this game. Uh, he only pitched one inning. He's going to be our closer this year, and he had three strikeouts, including one against an All American, and they all were four pitches or less. Yeah. So, well, they're all either four or three because they're strikeouts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, Blake Adams uh, didn't have an awful game. Um, yeah, six innings pitched, seven hits, four earned runs, uh, but he'd have eight strikeouts as well. He's he's very he's the embodiment of this team uh they uh they're going to be aggressive in all ways and it's really going to burn them at times but other times it's going to go well for you because i mean he he did give up uh i think one home run if i recall he pitched into the six so yes he gave up one he gave up two i think two home runs Two? Yeah, two home runs. Yeah, he gave up two home runs, but he also had eight strikeouts. He's a consummate strike thrower, very similar to Connor McCullough in that regard, but he's probably a little bit better than him. So, I mean, that's why he's the day one starter. But, I mean, that wasn't a awful performance from the starting pitching. I think that's going to be what we're going to see for the most part this year is we're going to have good closing. We're going to have good starters. Um, the middle is going to be the issue. Yeah, the middle will be the issue. Uh, the, re- the relief, someone's going to have to emerge as the leader granted this is not the best uh this is not the this is not the place to get your sea legs yeah they will be shot off yeah i i would say yeah this isn't the best sampling of how this team will be because something i didn't know is that this team has more newcomers than returning players just because of the draft and graduates and whatnot uh and then also this was k-state playing some really really good teams arizona top 10 team michigan Borderline uh, top twenty-five. Yeah, borderline top twenty-five, and they made. I think they were in a regional, possibly super regional last year. Yep. And then Auburn. I mean, any team in the SEC is good, even if they're below five hundred. They're an SEC baseball team, and that is prime hotbed recruiting. So, Auburn, you know, great team as well. I mean, K State played what I think will probably be three teams that are in the NCAA tournament at the end of the year, and they simply ran out of gas with a very new squad. And also some, unfortunately, not clutch hitting from what was last year, their clutch batters. So, um, also another common theme uh, in these games was uh, runners left on base. K-State 
had so many opportunities against Arizona, and we're just not able to drive them in. Yeah. A uh, few bases loaded, or at least there was at least one bases loaded uh, screw up, and I think I actually know what it was. Was it was uh, no outs, bases loaded, and yep. three straight strikeouts. Yep, was what it was. Um, but you know that, that it wasn't all bad from the batters. Uh, Dom Johnson, uh, the transfer from Oklahoma State, he led off and it was two for four with two RBIs and a walk. So excellent start. For Don Johnson uh, to the season, he would yeah. later be caught stealing. He would be caught stealing <laughs> as well, but he um, still was good, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him lead off for this squad. I think he could be. I think he's going to be another really good leader for this team going forward. He, I believe, is only a sophomore despite being a transfer, so he's going to be here for a little while at least. Uh, Cole Johnson did have a bit of a rough game. Uh, it's not listed in the uh, fielding, but as I recall listening to this game, he did have a play where he misjudged a fly ball, and it essentially allowed two runs to come around. And the list is an error, but it was effectively a defensive error for uh, Cole Johnson. He did have a sack fly, brought in some runs, but he had two strikeouts as well. Dylan Phillips had a very unfortunate game. He did have two hits. He batted a run in, or he did score, I should say. Four oh five, baby. <laughs> yeah. And he, yeah, he was very, very close to getting K State right back in this game in the eighth inning. I think he about had a, what was a three run homer. It was a three run homer. The wall at Globe Life is four hundred and six. Yeah. He hit four oh five. He did. It was caught right at the wall, and that was during a five run bottom of the eighth by K State to rally from being down 8-1, and that would have put us ahead. And in a great position with Tyson Neighbors coming out to do what he did. So, I mean, that's a game KSA probably wins if he just gets a little bit more behind it. And, or if he's just not Dylan Phillips and they aren't already playing deep. So Yeah. But he, I mean, Dylan Phillips, also, he, he did leave two runners on base. He struck out twice. I think he was trying to do too much. Because he is the face of the team at this point, I would say, uh, coming off of an excellent batting season, excellent power hitting season. Preseason All-American. Yeah, preseason All-American. A lot of weight on his shoulders, and I think he wanted to do too much in a big showcase and ended up costing him. Nick Goodwin did not have the greatest um, day either. He did drive a, he, he did score once, but he did strike out, left runner on base. Uh, and three at bats because he got hit by pitch twice, yep. <laughs> which is really strange. But and then going off from that, newcomer Josh Nikoloff didn't do a ton, walked and got a hit and four at bats. Uh, although I will say Nick Goodwin and Dylan Phillips, they both had fielding errors as well in this game. That's not what you want to see from two of your leaders coming back. Yeah, defense would be a struggle this entire week. Yeah. Then next up in the batting order was Cash Rugely, who was the designated hitter. He would end up going two for five with uh, scoring one run, but unfortunately three strikeouts. Yeah. Terrence Sperlin had two at-bats and, and a strikeout. Yeah, and <laughs> granted, I will say this for Terry. Uh, he did on his uh, strikeout, um, he did come up limping. from a, they, He was holding his lower back, and Sperlin has dealt with injuries his whole time at K-State, so hopefully he's able to fight through it. But, you know, it's not a... 
a pleasant sign, especially when before the game, P. Hughes was talking about how unusual he is for a first baseman because he runs the defense. Yeah. And he he's in charge of getting all the signs out, and that may be it's tough. Yeah, and you know, and then you know, like you go down the line a little later, and you look at the uh, infielding and how it really struggled at times, and that might become a big plot point this season with a uh, Sperlin fighting injury. Yeah. The only other person of note would be Justin Mitchell, who struck out twice and left two people on base, failed to get a hit in four at-bats. Then the number nine hole hitter was Kalen Culpepper, who was surprising in his first out. Ended up going two for three, scored a run, drove one in. Sitting in the nine hole, that's... Yeah. Yeah. And as a true freshman making his first ever start at the hot corner, I mean, yeah. You you cannot ask for much more from Kalen Culpepper in his first ever first ever start as a bat cat i mean i was thoroughly impressed and i i there's high hopes for him as well because he's a fairly highly touted recruit uh that p hughes has brought in. i mean this is a very talented team it's just going to take him a while to mesh i think yeah uh, because if there's nothing there's one thing that p hughes has been really good at it's been recruiting he's getting a lot of talent on these teams and last year it showed they just they just need to coalesce and really come together our yeah. non-rev recruiting is ridiculous. Yeah, our we are yeah, we're doing excellent stuff by recruiting the non-rev sports, especially women's basketball and baseball. Yeah. But yeah, unfortunate loss for K-State, a close one. However, close losses would not be the theme of the weekend. Nope. This is where the one bad inning trend begins, because the next game was K-State versus Michigan. Uh, Brian Smaller was on the call. Which shout out Brian Smaller. He does an excellent job calling these games. Yeah, and he calls a lot of games. He calls basically every non-revenue sport, I think. Uh, I think he calls soccer, uh, and I know he calls women's ba- basketball, and he calls baseball as well. Yeah. So especially this time of year, he's really busy. Yeah. He, he, he went and called all of these uh, baseball games on the radio back to back to back. Then he came back to Manhattan and called the women's basketball game, I believe. Well, actually, he would not have called that one because that was an ESPNU game. Yeah. But whenever they're on ESPN Plus, which is pretty much every other game, he that's Brian Smaller on the call. Yeah. So. Michigan ended up winning this game ten to two. I'll cover pitching if you don't mind. That'll be our our system. We'll cover pit. I'll cover pitching. You can cover. Go for it. Batting. So for K State, the on the bump at the beginning of the game was Connor McCullough. He ended up giving up five hits, two walks, five strikeouts, one wild pitch, faced twenty one batters, and. And threw 94 pitches, so that's a pedestrian day. He didn't give up any earned runs, which is amazing, but he threw 94 pitches in the process, so he couldn't quite get that quality start. But still, very good outing from Connor McCullough. Then it fell apart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Has- Griffin Hassel. Hassel? Hassel. Griffin Hassel came in. Following that, he ended up getting pinned for the loss. He pitched one inning, gave up two hits, and giving up three runs, all unearned, by the way, yeah. on a strikeout and two wild pitches. So he took 30 pitches to get through one inning. That's not what you want from your relievers. Yeah. Unfortunately, those were unearned runs because Nick Goodwin, two games in a row with an error, and then Orlando Salinas uh, listening to the call on that one. That one was really frustrating because uh, Salinas... He had a very easy play at first base that he botched, yeah. and I, I wasn't entirely sure on the uh, specifics of it, just because you know you're listening, you only get so much. But I mean, that's an in that case they have multiple opportunities to get out of easily, and infield fielding errors just completely derailed that. Yeah. 
he ends up getting pinned with the loss, even though he gave up zero earned runs. Mm-hmm. That's just how it goes sometimes. <laughs> then after that, Herman Ferrardo entered for one-third of an inning, gave up a hit, three earned runs, two walks, one strikeout, and one wild pitch. Yikes. Then Tyson Neighbors said, I can outdo that, and then pitched zero total innings by giving up two hits, three earned runs, a strikeout, a wild pitch, and... Bach. Bach. Oh, yeah, because that was the controversial Bach. Yeah. Then even no one knew what was going on. Tyson Neighbors only pitched seven pitches. Then it was finally handed off to Landry Weidman. Gave up one hit, one earned run, one walk, three strikeouts with 37 total pitches. This... McCullough did well. He did. The bullpen fell apart. Yeah. Especially... Was it the seventh or the eighth? Uh... That would have been the seventh. Yeah, the seventh destroyed us. Yeah, the seventh. It might have been the eighth where all the runs really came around. No, it was the seventh. So, yeah, seven runs for inning number seven. And uh, three in the previous. And this was a game that K-State led through uh, six. uh, Or led through five. And then they, at bottom of the six, gave up three. Then gave... They get one back to make it three to two. And bottom of the seventh, Michigan just absolutely explodes. And... It's really, really, really unfortunate because Casey had another opportunity here to uh, take out a quality opponent, and they just had the one inning collapse, and they just couldn't quite get over that. But again, two errors. I mean, this is just, I feel like that's, at least for a while. That's going to be a theme. It's going to be a theme, especially in the beginning of the year. It was a theme last year. And not <laughs> not down the end of the track. I mean, this was they figured it out uh, once they really got together but that wasn't until about april i yeah. mean i mean this is going to be a team that probably for the next month defensively there's going to be some boneheaded plays there's going to be a lot of struggles but batting i mean they only got two runs in this game but it's another game they leave 10 on in this game which is a torrid and uh, dylan phillips he goes 0 for four three strikeouts and two left on in this game uh, dom johnson uh he gets one hit on three at bats uh brady day he uh, pinch hits from because I mean we pinch hit everybody in this game down the stretch because we were down by so much. Brady Day does get a hit and his one at bat. Cole Johnson he had a RBI and a walk uh, and a hit and three at bats. Quality day for him. Dom Hughes uh, he pinch hit did not end up registering an at bat or walk. What happened here? <laughs> I think it was a pinch run maybe. Yeah, it could have been a pinch run. Well, no, those are marked separately. Yeah, then maybe I, it was a defensive sub. Uh, he he was a hit by pitch. Oh, yeah. Okay. And Dom Johnson was hit by pitch as well. Um, then Dylan Phillips. I already mentioned him. Really, really rough day. Uh, Caden Phillips came in. Another Phillips, and he uh, struck out in a bases loaded situation. Left three on there. Uh, Nick Goodwin uh, had a really rough day. Two strikeouts. Two left on. Uh, another fielding error for him. And you go down. I mean, you just go down the line here. I mean, Josh Nikoloff at second base. Uh, he, had, he drew a walk and had two strikeouts and uh, three at-bats, four plate appearances. Cash Rugely had a hit and scored a run, but he had a strikeout and four at-bats. Orlando Salinas had an RBI and a walk at three at-bats. Justin Mitchell had a hit and a run and a walk and two at-bats. Rafael Pelletier came in for Justin Mitchell and uh, he had a strikeout. And Kalen Culpepper, he Unfortunately, he was unable to follow up his excellent debut. Uh, he went over. Uh, he had four at bats, no hits, uh, three left on base. 
So rough day for Culpepper. But, yeah, rough day for the team. Yeah, rough. Yeah, rough day as a whole. Yeah, there's not really many people you can look at and say they had a good day. Uh, Mitchell had an all right day, no strikeouts. Um, Salinas, you can say the same thing. But for the most, I mean, you look up and down. I mean, yeah, Phillips had a really difficult day, three strikeouts. That's just going to be Phillips's game. He's swinging for the fences every time, which yeah. hopefully doesn't end up costing the team even more games. But I mean. This was tough to listen to because there's another one that KSA just kind of let slip away and get out of control uh, late in the game. But, again, pitching death will be the Achilles heel of this team, especially until someone can figure it out. I'm I'm not going to get too down about it yet because these are all quality opponents that they're facing, all uh, NCAA tournament opponents that they're yeah. facing. They're they're beefing up their strength of schedule because they have to last year. Uh, After getting out of the screwed. Yeah. So, but... You know, Eric Torres, he he took a couple of weeks last year, honestly, to get good because he had an ERA uh, upwards of 30 for a little while. And even then, it was above 10 until probably late March. And he had a really rough start to the season. But he all of a sudden, then he figured it out and became our best reliever by far. So I'm not going to phone it in yet. It's only been three games for a very, very young team. Only four seniors on the whole roster of about 40 people. So... It's, it's a really young squad with a lot of newcomers. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it gets worse. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it gets worse because the next game was against Auburn, and Auburn smacked us. There is no way around it. It yeah. was a final score of 12-1. to 1. Yeah. I'm not even sure I want to go through stats. Yeah, just three hits for K-State in this game, 13 for Auburn. Uh, no errors, surprisingly. Auburn had one error, um, but... Yeah, uh, the one error resulted in an unearned run in the first inning. That was our only score. That was the yeah, that was the only score. Um, I mean, Auburn just absolutely went to town. Uh, look at all these hit by pitches as well. <laughs> and that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hit by pitches, which is unbelievable. Also, another thing to keep an eye on in the pitching department is. I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of wild pitches on this team. And, I mean, Elijah Rubeck, he gets credited with a loss here with 10 earned runs in three innings. And four, yeah. four walks, six strikeouts, a wild pitch, two hit by pitches. Faced 23 batters. Uh, and he did have an intentional walk, I guess. He had threw 97 pitches in three innings. Just, it's not ideal. No, it is not ideal. <laughs> and... Elijah Dale came in after him, pitched one inning, gave up two hits, one earned run, three strikeouts with a walk, hit four people. Yeah, hit four batters he in hit, an he, inning. In an inning. He faced 10. He hit 40% of the batters he faced. After that, they got it under control uh, for the most part, it looks like. But uh, at that point, it was it, too late. Yeah, the, the damage had been done by this point. The uh, Auburn, I mean... In the third through sixth innings, just absolutely went to town on this uh, pitching staff. Three runs in the third, two in the fourth, five in the fifth, one in the sixth. Uh, and then they also had one in the first, but they didn't score any in the last three. Uh, I'd imagine it's because they probably pinch hit absolutely everybody. Yeah. But, I mean, and then also Rubeck, he was, uh, this was the one weird thing I wanted to bring up. He was initially slated to start this game. But then he didn't because uh, Colin Rothermel came in, pitched one and two-thirds, had an earned run, a walk, a strikeout, uh, a hit, two hit-by-pitches, faced nine batters, and had 32 pitches. 
and it came out for uh, Rubeck, who was the original penciled in starter to pitch after one and two thirds, which I thought was really strange. Um, I, I, I have, I have no explanation for it, nope. but yeah, this is a really, really, really rough performance by the uh, pitching staff. Tyler rule came in, he had two strikeouts, uh, a walk, a hit, uh, faced six batters. Um, and Dylan Pearson had a very similar style line, although he did have two wild pitches, uh, only lasted an inning, but he didn't give up any runs. And Blake Corsentino, three strikeouts, uh, three batters faced, 12 pitches uh, in the final inning. So, I mean, I, at least he closed well. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll look at batting. I didn't follow this game anywhere nearly as closely as I did the first two. Uh, but Phillips had a very similar, I think he had the an identical stat line, where he had three strikeouts to four at-bats. Dom Johnson, uh, he scored the lone run on unearned. Uh, he had a hit. Three at bats and a strikeout. Stolen base as well. Yeah. Ten strikeouts for this team. Three of them attributed to Dylan Phillips. It's going to be just a lot of strikeouts. Like, same thing as last year. And this isn't like the first few games where there's a lot of left on base uh, moments. No, because we just didn't get on base. We had three total hits. Yeah. Three total hits for this whole game. Dom Johnson with one, Nick Goodwin with the other. He had an RBI. I uh, batted in Dom Johnson the first inning, and he had a strikeout. And the remaining hit goes to Rafael Pelletier, who also drew a walk. Uh, and Cash Rugely and Orlando Salinas all drew walks as well. But, I mean, this is a game not many Wildcats got on base. Really, really rough performance. Not much to take from it either, other than we have a lot of work to do if we want to truly get to Omaha. And, you know what, I will say I think there's a lot of talent on this team. It might be the most purely talented team that's been here in the last decade. Um, yeah, you're probably right. The difference, I do think, is experience and time playing together. Especially when you have more newcomers than returning players. And I've mentioned that a few times already. But I'm excited. this is great experience for the team, I think, to play this high-level competition early. Because that means that it will generally be easier from here. Uh, I mean, playing number 10 Arizona in your first game, you can't ask for a much better start to the season, especially have that having that be your best game of the weekend. Yeah, They can take this, and they can build on it, and it's better to run into the buzzsaw in the first weekend than to figure out that you have a lot of things to figure out in mid-April. Yeah. So figuring out in mid-February, much better. But I'm excited to see what this team does, and despite uh, some rough defense, I am excited for the pitchers as well. I'm excited to see what relievers will end up emerging. Tyson Neighbors, despite having the awful performance uh, against Michigan, had a very encouraging performance against Arizona, where his slider was just eviscerating human beings. Yeah, it, it was borderline illegal. The the junk he was throwing at the plate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which granted we can only see the highlights on the baseball page for K State because you know, nobody. We're not paying fifty dollars yeah. a month yeah. for yeah flow baseball flow baseball not worth the, it the worst streaming service of all time at least for bang for your buck but yeah and you know, really young pitching staff got a ton of experience but I mean again just a lot of like weird stats for this team as well uh, I mean like five wild pitches uh, in the Michigan game I mean that's that's ridiculous. Like, how, how are you throwing five wild pitches in a collegiate baseball game as, like, Little League numbers? Like, uh, that's pretty rough. But, you know what? 
I'm not going to harp on this too long because baseball, luckily, is a very long season. Yeah. So a lot to build on here. I am very excited for when they will be back in Twindon, which is a long, <laughs> 85 years. long time. Um, but we can talk about their upcoming stuff. Yeah. So. Their next series is a weekend series against Colorado State University, Bakersfield. Cal State. Cal State, Bakersfield. What's the difference, honestly? There, there, there is. <laughs> they, they both have mountains, and they're both west of Kansas. So I, I'd say they're effectively the same. Did I say Colorado? Yeah. Oops. California. Yeah, Cal State, University, Bakersfield. Three-game series there. And then they, they have a lot of games in California these coming weekends. They have another yeah. game on Tuesday. I have no idea who it's against. I, th- I think it's Fullerton. Yeah, it's Fullerton. Yeah, they're playing Cal State for Fullerton because there's like 80 million Cal State enter X random California city. Yeah. And University they, of yeah. California, Los Angeles, yeah. like yeah. some rando school. Yeah. Like and then they, they close out with, uh, gosh, is it Santa Clara? It might be. I. Or is it Loyola? It's Loyola Marymount. They have a three-game series. Because remember, I like looked. Um, well, we'll go- recap that next yeah. week. Cause I look, it's a good series. Yeah, I looked on Google Maps because I was curious at like how far apart all of them were because California is so huge. Yeah. And I think it's like, despite both being in Southern California, uh, Fullerton and Bakersfield are like five hours apart, which is just awful. <laughs> Wonderful. Such yeah, a great yeah, state. Yeah. yeah, spending a whole week out in California. Regardless, it'll be fun for the team. I'm sure that they'll enjoy getting a week. I'm not sure if it'll be consecutive out in California. I imagine it'll be consecutive. Yeah, I mean, it's, probably, it's, it's probably more expensive to fly them back. Yeah, so, unless they're busing. Yeah. Which, well, if they're busing at that point, they'd have to drive back. They'd get a day here and then have to go back on yeah. the bus. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching uh, the Batcats because they will be on ESPN Plus going forward. Yay! <laughs> Finally, so they will be accessible to watch on a TV and not through alternative streaming methods, which granted, I didn't find any alternative streaming methods. I didn't either. I, I looked around vaguely, but nothing that like was going to be easy. So I was like, I'll just listen to the voice of the Batcats, Brian Smoller. Yeah. But that pretty much does it for this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to contact the show, we are at Aggieville ACATS on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in CATS. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show in a financial sense, you can go to the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store where we have such designs as Play Sandstorm Cowards and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.